Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and of course I am joined by Mark, the FBL General, for another episode of General's Orders. The international break is winding to a close. The FBL community could certainly do with some football that means something for our FBL teams coming back uh, and we've got that within the next few days, haven't we Mark? It must be nice to see the international break winding down. Yeah, good to be back, David. Hope your break is going well. It's always nice just to get over that weekend of no games. Once you get to Monday, Tuesday, you feel like it's getting closer. We have FPL back. The pain will be back soon. You you very quickly forget how frustrating FPL is during a break. You crave it. And as we often see, I think the game week after the last international break was a frustrating one. It can be quite odd game week sometimes, but... um. I think when you look at the fixtures coming up in game week nine, hopefully it'll actually be quite a high scoring game week and it will be FPL back with a bang. Yeah, fingers crossed. I know what you mean though, international break uh, returning game weeks. It's almost like because the players have all gone off and uh, gone their separate ways for a little bit, some of the rhythms that teams had got themselves into get knocked a little bit out of kilter and then you sort of end up with a new sort of you know set of trends emerging over the next couple of weeks it's why I personally don't like to wildcard during an international break I can see the appeal I can see it but I feel like I've just been burnt too many times so I'm kind of like the opposite uh in many ways international breaks I would I wish it could continue forever because it gives me plenty of opportunity to create content and without having to update all of the slides the best thing if you're watching us on YouTube, is this is exactly the same screens I used last week because my rank hasn't changed and neither has marked. So um, there's definitely a lot of advantages in international break that are going to go away, sadly, when the football um, comes back. I mean, of course, there's been lots of, there has been football on. There has been matches on. There's been some important matches for, um, for, for England and, of course, for yourself up there in Scotland. Um, there's been, um, you know, this injury to Andrew Robertson, for example. Uh, but at the same time, the actual football itself, forget the injury to Andrew Robertson, it's actually going quite well for... Um, you guys north of the border, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I've been I've been in Scotland for eight years now, and I'm I'm almost more of a Scottish fan than an Irish fan at the moment. Um, it's it's easy to say that when Ireland are so poor at the moment. I actually I actually sat down on Friday night, given the lack of FPL action. I found myself sitting down to watch Greece Ireland Ireland playing at home. You know, you, you you're used to poor performances, but um bit of optimism, sat down and watched us lose 2-0 at home and very quickly switched it off again. But do you know what? It was quite interesting. I didn't even really see the team sheets before the before the game. And obviously the the Robertson injury news happened a couple of days before that Ireland game. And it just happened to be that Mr. Shimakis was playing for Greece against Ireland. And I was already thinking about him 
uh, as a potential option for my team. And then he pops up with a lovely cross during the Greece Ireland game for Jackamacus to score a great header. So picked up an assist just to just to kind of tempt me into him uh, as a tr- possible transfer for game week nine. So maybe that's a sign. Uh, I didn't even think about whether he'd be playing or not. Kind of forgot he even did play for Greece. Maybe the stars were aligning and I, and I was meant to see that assist. Uh, and maybe I should bring him in because I do have 0.8 in the bank. And I've got I've got Bayer and Gusto as my fourth and fifth defender. So I could sell Gusto possibly for a Shimakas for a couple of weeks. Obviously, I'll just wait and see what Klopp says about the Robertson injury. And if it is going to be a couple of weeks, even if it was three or four weeks, I would probably take the plunge, I think, at 4.4, I think, is Shimakas costs. I've got my team on paper. I've got Gabriel this week away to Chelsea, which is probably fine. But I would probably rather have Shimakas in there, maybe just Ben's Gabriel for that Chelsea fixture. So if I do end up making a transfer this week, there's a good chance it could be the backup Liverpool defender. So uh, that's just something I'm going to keep an eye on throughout the week. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't actually realised that the stars had aligned in such a way and watching Greece, it was perhaps a sign from the Delphic Oracle herself <sighs> um, that he could be worth having. I mean, yeah, it's it's a good price. Um, Liverpool's fixtures are looking good. You know, we're all very interested in Salah and, and perhaps if we can... Uh, you know, work out who's the most likely starter outside of him in the attack. You know, there's been lots of discussion around Liverpool and their fixtures. Uh, it definitely looks like an opportunity. And yeah, you mentioned um, we, we will need to hear from Klopp before we know a little bit more. Um, we were just looking uh, before we came on uh, what the latest was on on Robertson, and we're in that limbo where, um, well, unfortunately, uh, his manager is Steve Clark, who famously is is not a particularly um, he doesn't say much <laughs> in press conferences anyway. Um, and then, of course, he hasn't come back to Liverpool yet. And uh, or well, 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 he may well have done, but he hasn't come back to Liverpool enough with enough time for us to have a clock press conference where we get more detail on this injury. And so the official line from the Scotland camp and from their manager is Liverpool will deal with it. <laughs> so thank you very much, Steve. And so it means that for now, we just... I mean, we can assume... A few weeks, probably, um, but whether or not it's two weeks or twelve weeks, we just have no idea, and that really will be the determining factor over whether or not there's value for Shimakas. Because I think best case scenario is uh, this is from a Shimakas perspective, of course, because of course best wishes to Andrew Robertson um, is that you get him for maybe six to eight weeks, because then you know if towards the end of that period he's obviously kind of useless again because Robertson's back, at least you've got some va- you've got some value over that run. Worst case scenario is it's only two weeks, you get Shimakas and then you're stuck with a 4.4 million defender who's not playing, who you may have to leave rotting on your bench if you have bigger issues to solve. So we do really need to see what Klopp has to say, don't we, with this one? Yeah, and again, I'm just, I've got the, the fixture ticker in front of me here on the Scout website. It's even if it's, you know, ideally, if we could get four games out of Shimakas, you know, three home games in four, Everton, Forest, Luton away, and then Brentford at home before they play Man City in game week 13. If we could get the, those four games, that would be that would be ideal. Um, obviously, I've got a, a wild card still in my pocket as well. So it's probably easier to get a Shimakas if you do have that, because at least at some point you're going to have a bit of a clear out and... You know, Shimakas will be Deadwood whenever whenever Robertson is back. So um yeah, it's an interesting one and, and just maybe a bit of an opportunity more so for the wild carders than than others. Yeah, absolutely. We've mentioned your team and I've actually had that on the screen for the last uh, few moments. Um your your bus team as it currently stands. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, um, but for those of you who weren't able to watch uh, last week, perhaps you maybe took the international break off. Um yeah, here is his Mark's team on the screen now. So it's Turner in goal, Trippier, Gabriel, Cash as a back three, Son, Madison, Fernandez, Bowen as a midfield four, Alvarez, Harlan, Cap. 
Captain Watkins up front, uh, and then Johnston, Bayer, Gusto, and Nakamba uh, on the bench. You've kind of already alluded to some of your thoughts uh, in relation, perhaps, to Gabriel and Gusto and Bayer there. But any anything else changed in your mind? Um, sometimes in the international break, it's not necessarily a footballing incident that changes your mind. It's just that mulling over of some decisions sometimes helps crystallise a few things, doesn't it? So anything changed in the last Yeah, week? I've actually... Um... I'm not always able to do it, but I've actually been able to switch off quite a bit during this international break, and it helps. I think this might be the first international break for a very long time where there's, where there's no yellow flags. I know there's still time for some of them to appear. There's a few more games to go midweek, but it's it's all looking good so far for game week nine. No flags. Fixtures are good. So I think nine of 11 are at home. It's just Gabriel away to Chelsea and Bruno away to Sheffield United who are away. Good fixtures. Um, overall, I think there's a good chance I might end up uh, rolling my transfer. So... Yeah, all's looking rosy at the moment and hopefully no issues, especially just with players like Alvarez playing in South America, I think on Wednesday, coming back late possibly. So just got to monitor those press conferences again Thursday and Friday, but no transfers made. Everything's looking fine. And yeah, yeah, hopefully might be able to at least have the option of rolling the transfer. Yeah, I'd quite like to do the same thing, uh, especially after an international break as well. Um, When things change a lot, or if they change a lot going into game week nine, I want two free transfers to game week 10. I am a little bit more a slave to the flags though. Um, so I still have a stupid nan on my bench who's probably going to still probably miss game week nine and maybe 10. Uh, so I'm really working with uh, at most 14 players probably. Um, one of whom also is Sven Botman, who still has an orange flag. Now they talked about him maybe coming back for game week nine. So I'm really quite interested in that one because if I don't have Botman, then I would have to start Anderson away at Newcastle, which I don't like the idea of because Anderson has been done, has been doing really well so far this season. But I do think that even though they've defended well, the chance of a clean sheet against Newcastle is, is quite slim in my opinion. So, um, but the rest of the team I'm quite happy with. It's just, it's just, I might have to make a transfer to be able to deploy an, an 11. I'm, I'm happy with because I just feel like starting Anderson kind of feels like kind of shorthand, you know, going shorthanded. I've got Flecken and Turner, and at the moment I've actually got uh, Flecken starting, but I'm increasingly coming around to the idea of it being Turner instead. Uh, Van de Ven, um, the lucky man himself, uh, still in the team, obviously at home against Fulham. Cash at home uh, to West Ham. Madison and Bermo, Diaby, Salah, Son as a midfield five. Um, I think I said last week, you know, I, I, Bermo definitely deserves at least one more chance against Burnley, and if that goes wrong then he's gone um and then Alvarez and Haaland so yeah going to be interested in those press conferences for for Alvarez as well so my team's a little bit a little bit more taped together um than yours but there's still a possibility I can roll if Botman is declared fit so yeah that's kind of my my thinking there but it's great isn't it so many players at home so it means that most of my team is fine it's just in that one area yeah, it feels a good week. I definitely agree on the Mbumo one more week. It's the it's got to, you've got to play the fixture. Burnley have been shipping plenty of goals, haven't been great so far. Uh, you know, none of the promoted teams have been great. So, and again, I was looking. I usually during an international break, it's, especially when we get to this stage of the season, eight game weeks worth of information. I I spent a lot of time over the last week or you know, week or so looking at some of the numbers in the members area. And it just kind of reinforced to me that Mbumo still, I think, a good pick. Even though he's five blanks and six, he's right up there for a lot of the metrics, you know, the expected numbers and stuff like that. So I would definitely give him the the Burnley game and then maybe just reassess it after that. Because I'm just, again, looking at it. It does get a little bit trickier for Brentford, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal in the four after that. So I think a lot of people will keep Mbumo this week hopefully get a 10-pointer and then take those points and run somewhere else for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sort of looking at West Ham, to be honest. You know, there's a few mid-priced midfielders that are kind of, you know, on either on everyone's shopping list or they've already bought them. 
and I feel a little bit behind on West Ham. Um, but yeah, the timing of a transfer is very important. So yeah, as I said, very happy to give him uh, the Burnley game. Um, there can't be many of us left, um, you know, still with him. But I, th- I think sometimes when you hold on for a little while and other people go elsewhere, sometimes you actually end up with a little bit of a green arrow uh, in, in yeah. that particular player's, um, you know, when you look at live FPL, you can see what that player achieves for you. If he gets a goal this week, I think he individually will put me up uh, a few places, which will be quite nice. Um, and yeah, yeah, again, I, I, they're my favourite kind of weeks. If, if you can get a goal or something out of Mbumo, like you said, there's a lot of people have already got off that train and shown a little bit more patience or just almost been forced sometimes to keep players because of all their issues. You can That's where some of the biggest rewards come in FPL. If you're if you're one of the last few people to have them before selling them, maybe the week after, you can, you, you know, a 10-pointer would be absolutely huge from Mbumo this week, given his ownership and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm. I will be... I say I'll be rooting for him to do well for you, but and I don't have him. I'm not. I'm not really going to be rooting for him. Am I? <laughs> well, it's nice of you to at least attempt to be cordial about it. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I tried to be nice, and then I just backtracked. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how it goes in content creation. You you want everyone to do well, but secretly you're like, I don't have that guy. So I really hope he doesn't do well. <laughs> Got to yeah. put a little penalty. Penalty. Penalty mess will do me. Oh no. Oh dear. Well. Well, you'll be able to gloat about it next week if if that's what happens. Um, I can already see people clipping this twenty second segment, and it's going to be it's going to be gold next week. Oh, it's going to be General's Order's Civil War. Oh no, they've fallen <laughs> out. Um, oh dear, bit of international break beef for you. Um, right, well, with that <laughs> out of the way, <laughs> let's move on to uh, the first of our orders for this game week. Um, we didn't have our orders last week uh, because we thought let's let's focus them on this episode when we've got more of an idea of what the different factors are at play. You will be unsurprised to uh, hear or depending on where you're accessing this content that Erling Haaland is very much the subject of order number one yeah order number one for game week nine is keep Erling Haaland I found it very interesting over the last week or two um, you know a player that everybody just automatically selected in game week one has actually left quite a few teams and people are still considering maybe losing them if they're wildcard in game week nine or game week ten not necessarily wildcards people are maybe just selling them as well but I, I feel like it was a viable play, but I think that viable play was last week when Haaland had Arsenal and a lot of people are losing him to get Salah or to accommodate Salah and Salah had Brighton last week. So I feel like game week eight was a was an okay time to make the switch. But on the flip side, this week when Haaland himself has Brighton at home and he's also got Bournemouth at home in the next three fixtures, two very plum home ties, very good for captaincy. I think if you have Haaland at this stage, then you keep him and you probably captain him against Brighton as well. So again, looking at those numbers last week, you know, Brighton conceding a lot of goals, conceding a lot of chances, just not a very good defensive side, a brilliant team, but you always fancy the opposition to score goals against them. So again, and if you're wildcarding this week, I, again, I would find it extremely difficult not to have Haaland when he's got Brighton at home. So if you really want Salah and you're wildcarding to get Salah, if it's this week, I'd probably be trying to fit both of them in, Salah and Haaland, which is very, very tricky. But yeah, order number one is keep earning Haaland and I'm pretty sure he's going to be my captain this week and probably game week 11 as well. Mm. It's all about timing with uh, with these things because you're right, the, t- the last two games especially... Um, it has been viable to go with that Haaland and the key thing is and we didn't actually mention this last week uh, but certainly we're both aware of it and uh, very uh, we've, we've noticed it is Rodri wasn't there for those games and we knew that they were going to be worse without him but I think we I think the whole footballing community was probably 
a little bit surprised by just how much worse they were without him. Uh, it's it's weird how dependent they seem to be on having him in the middle, which does make some sense when you think of the way they play their football. You know, with that three two four one, you've got two groups of five that are trying to interact with each other. So you've got the reason why Pep plays the three and the two defensively so close together is they can look after the ball in a tight knit group, move it forward, and get it to the other set of five players. Um, and it's it's almost basically bottlenecked through Rodri. It's it more effective when it goes through Rodri and Stones because then it's bottlenecked through two players instead of one. But, you know, that conduit for the team, missing. And that had a massive impact on some of their stats. So uh, if you've not had a chance to already check out the video that I did a few days ago, which goes into this particular Haaland issue in like really granular levels of detail, um, go check it out. But the, the long short of it is... We, I looked at Man City with and without Rodri and everything's down. Possession, shots, chances created, uh, uh, passes in the, key, in the final third. Just absolutely everything was down across those two matches, which maybe you might expect because Arsenal have defended quite well the last few games. But bearing in mind that one of those games was against Wolves, you know, the, the drop-off shouldn't have been as big as it was. And of course, the glaring factor is Rodri. The crazy thing is Haaland's had one shot in the last two matches. And so that has made people go, hmm, okay. But when you look in the first six game weeks, he was top of the league for shots in the box, top of the league for big chances, top of the league for shots on target. So that second set of stats there, or rather first set from the first data set, game weeks one to six, shows that when Rodri's in the team and that team is is getting the ball to where they need it to go, they are creating just an innumerable number of chances for, for Haaland. He's miles ahead of everybody. I mean, even when you look at the season as a whole, to go game weeks one to eight, even with him only having one shot in the last two, he's still like six or seven shots ahead of anyone else with shots in the box. He's like six or seven big chances ahead of anyone else for big chances, things like that. It is big and the fixtures are great. So it might feel good if you're sat there without Haaland right now, it will feel good in a hindsight kind of, not a hindsight kind of way. I'm not suggesting that you, um, it's only a correct decision in hindsight. What I mean is, is like you can be happy with the progress you've made, but I would be nervous about what's coming next because it's going to shift. Rodri's coming back, fixtures are getting better. So yeah, I, I'm with you completely. I've, I've still got him. I've got Salah as well. Um, and it makes me feel quite happy, especially for captaincy options. Yeah. And again, I think the FPL community, a lot of us are probably guilty of kind of quickly building narratives around this kind of thing. But I don't I don't think the I think everyone's spot on with the Rodri thing. If you take an absolutely fantastic player out of a team, even though Man City are so good, you, you take arguably the key cog, as you've mentioned, out of it. He he kinda he's the engine room. He makes everything tick, transition from defense to attack and all that kind of stuff. It's it's gonna have an impact. And then you throw in the fact that they played against a very good Arsenal team. Um you know, that's it's understandable why a lot of people didn't captain Erling Haaland in the week against Arsenal. And the Salah captains were rewarded. The Sun captains were probably slightly unlucky with a red card and stuff like that. So yeah, there was I'm glad the I'm glad Rodri's back. I'm glad the Arsenal fixtures out of the way. And I'm now hopeful that as someone who's backing Haaland completely, that I will be rewarded over those who maybe went a different path for, for a couple of weeks. And I know the people who sold them, they're they're they know we. They still expect them to do well. They're just hoping that their team matches them or, or maybe slightly outscores them over the over the next couple of weeks. Something that, something interesting I actually seen on on Twitter this morning. It was from a Twitter account at Rob T FPL. It was about the season long Premier League goal project projections after each game week. So this is all to do with kind of spread betting markets and stuff like that, which is obviously a, a good indicator of of what what will happen. And I think what they were saying was before the season. Going into the season, Haaland was projected to score 27 goals. And then after 
after four game weeks, that had gone up from 27 goals to 34. And even even after the last couple of game weeks where he's only had one shot, you know, that hasn't changed. He's now, I think, after game week seven, he was projected to score 35 goals and has now dropped just one to 34. So you're still he's still projected to score 34 goals this season. Uh, I think it was 36 in the league last year, off the top of my head. So yeah. I was quite encouraged to see those numbers this morning. Again, it's it's that little bit of confirmation bias that I needed just to be to be confident with the armband and not read too much into the into the last two games. Hmm. Well, the underlying numbers that actually uh, that I had on the screen here actually track really well with that kind of um projection because it, how he's comparing to last season uh, in some metrics is better. Uh, even with those last two matches. So um, last season he had four shots per 90 this season it's 4.07 so I mean it's still basically the same but the point is is he's still as persistent um, shots on target per 90 has gone up from 1.95 from last season to 2.04 uh, penalty area shots per 90 has gone up from 3.74 per 90 to 4.07 for example weirdly enough his creativity has gone up too uh, and actually the creativity is where we see the biggest rise for him so he's gone from 0.7 chances created per 90 last season to 1.27 per 90 this season um, and then therefore his expected goal involvement has just crept up a little bit from 1.03 to 1.07 some of those are very very small rises but the point is they're still in the same ballpark so um, across the whole course of the campaign he is probably going to do quite well but it's interesting that the biggest rise is in his creativity so we might see some assists I mean it probably helps he's playing with Alvarez who whilst not being deployed as a striker kind of is like the second striker so he is we're kind of like halfway to a, a strike duo in the in the vein of Shearer and Sutton, sort of. So that does kind of help him. Have been a couple of times where he just squares the ball and there's Alvarez. So his points potential is still massive, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, just on this little graphic, while I've got it here handy. Um, so Haaland projected at the moment to score 34 league goals. Mohamed Salah projected to score 19. Big difference between 19 and 34, but obviously Salah is very creative, so you're you're hoping to get a lot of assists in there as well. I think one of the biggest changes since before the season started from these spread betting markets is Hyungman's son was projected to score 14 league goals. Now it's up to 18. So Haaland, Salah and Son are very much in the top three. And so it's no surprise that we're talking about all those guys for, for captaincy when they've got good fixtures. So always always nice to see some different kind of inputs in terms of numbers and stats and stuff like that just to throw out there. So yeah, I'm very much captain Haaland against Brighton, captain him in 11 against Bournemouth. And I'm, I'm not against captain him in, in game me 10 either against Manchester United, but we'll, uh, we'll probably talk about a few other options shortly. Yeah, that's right. Well, we've got a couple of other orders to come, which do revolve uh, around the captaincy. Uh, but last week we didn't go into our usual sort of sideshows, which include uh, Dan's Army and Sonny Soldiers. So we thought that we would uh, do that now. Um, now, um, some of you may have noticed on Twitter that I actually was with my dad last weekend. So, I, or no, not last weekend, the weekend before, the most recent deadline. So, I actually managed to get live uh, live scenes of him picking his team in his in his railway room. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but he has a model railway room because he's he's a man who's worked on the on the railways all his life. So, he's got his and so he sat there in his little model railway room picking his team, and he'd been doing some really detailed model work. So he had one of those like. <laughs> Uh, light strapped to his head which kind of made it look like he was uh, using it to help him pick his FPL team and uh, yeah it seemed to go down quite well some people even actually now want him to have his own show um, I know you particularly enjoyed the picture Mark <laughs> yeah honestly um, I've been on I've been on FPL Twitter for eight or nine years and it was right up there's one of my favorite ever FPL images because it just it just encapsulated, encapsulated so much about the game you know not necessarily that he was using those all those 
various tools and gadgets that were all about round about him. But that's the way it looked. It looked like he put an insane amount of effort and time into his FPL team. Uh, but as we know, he doesn't because he, he ends up with players <laughs> like Tim, Tim Ream and his team. So uh, intrigued to see how he's getting on and what his latest transfers are. Well, so he um, had one transfer for uh, Game Week 8. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how successful it was, to be honest. The main thing for him uh, was that he... Uh, I, I feel really bad for him for Game Week 8 because he benched one of his, uh, his players who's been doing really well this season. Uh, which is of course Ben White. He put him down as the third sub. He kind of he's very guilty. You know when we talk about what you know, sort of the more casual managers do, and inverted commas, what they do sometimes is a little bit, um, you know, just think it through. Like, you know, why not? Why not put him first on your bench? Um, he, he put him right down to the bottom of the bench. So he got nine points, and uh, yeah, he was I think his highest scoring player in his whole team, despite not actually starting. Um, so just the thirty six points from this week, which actually probably is music to your ears, Mark, because you know he's being rewarded for his skill level and his input here. Um, so he is uh, down. It's a big red arrow for him. He's down to uh, two point nine million. His transfer was to sell Ramsdale, <laughs> uh, which actually made sense. But you know, again, like. Arsenal kept a clean sheet in the end, but yeah, he saw he signed Johnston, uh, which actually was a good transfer. Sorry, I thought I was I've got my transfers mixed up. I implied that he'd had a bad transfer. That was a good transfer, so well done to him for that. Um, but yeah, two point nine million now. So yeah, you're you're very much soaring past him now, Mark. Don't worry. At the start of the season, it was a bit tight, but you're now three two seven k. He's two point nine million. That's where you probably both deserve to be. Yeah, order has been restored. Thankfully, it was. Uh... <laughs> A couple of couple of dodgy weeks there where he was making dodgy transfers and they were coming off. So it's uh it's good to see that all those hours in the in the railway room making decisions is uh, is not paying off now. <laughs> Very kind of you to say. Um, one one thing, uh, just a little update. He's not bothered about his overall rank, but he does want to win his church league this year. Uh, he is currently second in that one, so uh, he's about twenty five points off uh, top spot. Definitely, you know, he's still in the title race there. As I've said before, it just goes to show you what the skill level is in that church that he is. He can be as high as second out of about 12 people. But yeah, I'm rooting for your dad. Come on, man. You can do it. Um, well, yeah, and we'll see what happens in, in game week nine. So yeah, there we are. Dad's army for game week nine is going to be an interesting one. He's got someone to topple on top of that league. Now, whether or not he's able to do that with his captaincy choices, because he does make some odd ones sometimes, um, might actually be, uh, it might be good for him to actually watch order number two, because captaincy is the order of the week for many people. Lots of options uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, Saka, Salah, Haaland and Son. Actually, I've said that the wrong way around. Saka, Salah, Son and Haaland, or shh, as I'm calling it. Um, <laughs> um, are all kind of in the conversation. Um, lots of opportunities in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, take us through the, the second order, Mark. What's your view on the captaincy for, for now? Game week's coming up. Yeah, so order number two for the viewers, listeners, and for myself also, is to be flexible with the captaincy. Because I went into the season with a very simple approach, auto-captain Haaland until there's rotation or injury concerns. But one of my other bullet points every season is always everything's flexible. Nothing is ever set in stone and it's very important to be flexible as an FPL manager. So I feel like I got lucky in game week eight. I captained Haaland against Arsenal. Uh, I had the option of captain at Youngman's son and I didn't do it. And thankfully he blanked and I didn't have Salah. And I'm very much a fixtures-based manager. And if I'm a fixture-based manager, I've been reflecting on the Game Week 8 captaincy decision. I'm thinking, why did I captain Haaland against a very good Arsenal team when I could have captained Kyungman Son against a very poor promoted team? So I feel like I dodged a bullet there. Uh, it would have been a self-inflicted bullet. And I want to just be more flexible 
over the next over the next few weeks with the captaincy. And I'm I'm kind of gonna just I'm not gonna say I'm gonna park my auto captain Haaland strategy because I, as I mentioned, game week nine, game week eleven, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna captain. But when it's you know game weeks like game week ten when he's got Manchester United, and maybe in a couple of weeks' time when there's a few other trickier fixtures, I just want to give it a lot more thought than I have been. And I probably will end up falling down on the side of fixtures more so than I have been with the captaincy recently. And it's 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 also a case of we have a lot of good candidates. You mentioned them there, you know, Saka, Salah, Son. I would even throw Ollie Watkins in there when he's got very good fixtures as a captaincy candidate. For example, Aston Villa gave me 10 at home to Luton and gave me 12 at home to Fulham. Those two in particular stand out if you don't want a captain Haaland or someone else. So, it's great for FPL that we have a lot of captaincy candidates from week to week now. It makes it more interesting. Obviously, it can make it more painful as well with red arrows if you get it wrong. For example, if you didn't captain Salah last week, chances are you probably didn't have a, a big green arrow. Um, my red arrow was small, thankfully, but I don't think the red arrows are going to be small for much longer if I go without Salah because his ownership is just going to keep going up and up with the fixtures and the performances. So Salah is certainly someone I need to think about strongly over the next couple of weeks, whether I want to buy him or whether I want to go without him. But um, yeah, I just, I wanted to, I thought it'd be good to discuss the captaincy this week. I know it's been discussed in a lot of places, but I think it's going to probably be the most important aspect of FPL uh, for the next three, four, five game weeks. Mm. It used to be the pillar, you know, the cornerstone. It used to be one of the pillars of how you have a green arrow is make sure you've got those captaincy candidates every week and captain the right one, but make sure you've got all of them anyway so that if you do captain the wrong one, at least you've covered yourself against, you know, you mitigated against the loss. That used to be how FPL was played back in the before times, you know, before Haaland came along. And as I said last week, I'm actually super excited that it's back. I think that we're going to see a lot more variation in uh, in scores um, from one week to the next. It can be quite swingy, and I think the FPL is quite fun that way. Uh, I mean, the red arrows, when they happen, aren't fun, but the green arrows are great, and the bigger your red arrows, the bigger your greens are going to be. So <laughs> I just think that there's going to be a lot of swinging around, and I think that's going to be good. Um, and so what we've got on the screen right now is is kind of a, a captaincy uh, matrix uh, for the next uh, nine game weeks. Uh, I do apologize. It doesn't have Watkins on it, but I can sort of add those fixtures in where they're relevant but um yeah we've got um Saka I mean it's probably best to look at it for the next four um really because uh, you know to keep it a little bit more focused next four Saka's Chelsea at home Sheffield United away Newcastle away and Burnley at home so you Saka's got a great captaincy credentials for 10 and 12 Salah Everton at home in nine Forest at home in 10 Luton away in 11 and Brentford at home in 12 so 9 10 11 where he looks quite good. Haaland, Brighton at home, uh, then United away, Bournemouth at home, and then Chelsea away. So really, it's it's 9 and 11 where it looks best, but 10's not you know out of the question um, because he does have a decent record against United. And then Son, really for him, it's game weeks 9 and 12. So Fulham at home in 9, Wolves away in 12, but then it is Crystal Palace and Chelsea um, away and at home, respectively, in 10 and 11. And so, just kind of eyeballing it now, um, you know, you could, in theory, if you owned a selection of these players, maybe Captain Haaland um, for the first of those three, then Saka in game week 10, because Sheffield United at home is a better fiction than Forrest at home and Man United away. Game week 11, you could then do Salah, because he's away at Luton. Um, Haaland will be at home against Bournemouth, but, you know, Luton have been particularly leaky. And then, of course, Saka's away at Newcastle, so you wouldn't want a captain in there. But then, of those four guys, Saka, Salah, Haaland, and Son, Saka by far and away has the best fixture of game week 12 because you've got Brentford at home for Liverpool, Chelsea away for Man City, and Son's away at Wolves. But actually, by then, you might have sold him to perhaps get to one of these other guys because the Crystal Palace game and the Chelsea game 
are not really viable enough when the other three are arguably captaincy options in those game weeks. So that's the kind of um, loose planning that I've kind of got in my mind for the next four. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if you, your thoughts on that, but it's just great to have these kinds of decisions back. I, I, I've really missed them. Yeah, do you know what? It's it's make me excited for the next few weeks. Just looking at this fixture ticker, and it's got my juices flowing in terms of my own team as well because I've got Haaland and I've got Son, but I don't have Salah, and I recently sold Bukayo Saka as well. So I've got a plan of getting Saka back in Gimme Ten because it's a lot easier to get Saka back than it is to get Mohamed Salah in. Uh, and that's probably just going to push the wild card to to a late wild card. Now I am keeping an open mind to you know there's a small chance I play a game of ten wild card, but if I don't play it in game of ten, I think it's going to be much much later. Then I think this is my last probably opportunity to play it before just committing to a longer term strategy. So looking at this next four game weeks for captaincy, Haaland nine and eleven. If I bring Saka in and give me ten. I can captain him and give me 10 and 12. So straight away, that's telling me I don't need to break the bank, rip up the team to get Salah when I've got two very, very good captaincy candidates uh, for the next four game weeks. So again, that's pushed me towards not wildcarding in 10 and not ripping up my team to get Salah because when I've got players like Watkins and Alvarez and Trippier and you know Cash spread around the squad, I've got the double Tottenham midfield, we can't have every player and I fully expect Salah to do extremely well over the next few weeks. And I'm in the same boat the Haaland, Haaland sellers were in. You're just backing your team to match the Haaland teams or slightly better them. And I'm doing the same. I'm going to back my team to match the Salah teams or, you know, hopefully better them. And it's very interesting. It's going to be very interesting how this plays out. And something else got me thinking there was that looking at Tottenham for the next four weeks, when you look at some of the others, Haaland, Saka and Salah, unlikely to captain Heung-Min's son, I think, in the near future. So I was kind of thinking Bruno Fernandes to Saka in game week 10, but I think I've got to entertain the possibility of doing Heung-Min's son to Saka in 10 instead and just going with one Tottenham midfielder in Madison and obviously selling son instead of Bruno would free up more cash for other moves. And then if I end up keeping Bruno, I don't really want Bruno for game week 10 against Manchester City, but if I can hold him through that, and if I sell Son instead, Bruno then goes into Fulham, looting at home in game week 12, which is arguably a captaincy game for Bruno Fernandes. Not that I think anyone will do that with the other options, but it's Fulham, Luton, Everton. In a, in a run of three games. And I know Everton's not as, as easy as it has been in the past, but it's uh, it's one of those where I've had Bruno from game week one. Uh, I sold Rashford recently. I've always been planning to get rid of Bruno as well, but he might actually survive uh, and it might actually be Hyungman's son who goes. So I'll just obviously monitor those two players closely in game week nine and then make that decision in game week 10 who goes for, for Saka. Hmm. Yeah, it's very similar to what I'm thinking, to be honest, in terms of with Son. Because, yeah, the, the, ten, the game weeks 10 and 11 just look really tricky for Spurs because, and, and I think they're deceptively tricky. I think they've been playing so well that people will look at that and think, oh yeah, I'm fine there because Chelsea have had a bad start to the season and Crystal Palace are Crystal Palace, right? Well, in the last four matches, Crystal Palace have had three clean sheets. Chelsea have had two. In that time, uh, only Newcastle have conceded fewer big chances than Chelsea. Their attack doing so poorly has masked the fact that their defence has actually been doing quite well. And so those two fixtures in particular... Um, 
they're just yeah they're really not favorable fixtures at all and with the money that's available for him that can potentially get me back to Saka who arguably is the best captain option for 10 and 12 just seems the right thing to do and it's another reason why I want to roll transfers in game week nine so I can yeah I mean I I can downgrade from from Son to, to Saka no problem but um yeah I just want to be able to assess it all properly so yeah I'm in a similar boat there um with that kind of um decision and sort of making transfers around the captaincy because that's the best way to chase some upside if you can get those captaincy calls right and base your transfers around them theoretically you're going to do okay and also just touching on something you mentioned there about what you go without when you don't have Salah uh, sorry what you go without if you do have Salah what you go with if you don't have Salah um, we talked about that last week in a bit more detail actually in terms of uh, a, a no Salah team versus a no Trippier team and for hopefully enough I'm the no Trippier team Mark is the no Salah team uh, and so we're sort of very much different sides of the same coin there and it's been it's been interesting to compare how our seasons have gone in the last few weeks because so far we've kind of we've kind of matched each other we're both fairly happy with how we've got on in the last few weeks you know we're only about 150k places apart which right now is is nothing so um you know th- there's more to it than that of course but um one thing I just wanted to add is that there are going to be there are a lot of people out there. We've seen them in the community, kind of overly stressing about which side of the coin they settle on. Um, and I guess my message to those people is just try not to get too stressed by that because it, 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 theoretically it might be okay. You might end up in the same place as someone who went the other way, and you might spare yourself a little bit of anxiety about it, if that makes sense. So, yeah, um, there's always that possibility, isn't there? That it kind of works. Yeah, out. just just to echo what you said is is do not stress over this. You know, it's um, there's there's quite a few viable routes. You know, the salad salad teams look great. I think the no salad teams look great, and you can say the same about Haaland now as well. So, um, you know, some people have both, and they make the compromises elsewhere. But if the two big boys do well, and you know, players like Anthony Gordon and these guys can deliver, and some of the cheaper defenders, you could you could come out on top of of everyone. So it's like I said last week. I think it's shaping up to be a very good FPL season, which is what we needed after a difficult couple of years, and yeah. I'm really, I'm really intrigued to see how it plays out over the next few weeks, and whether I fall on the right side or the wrong side, or I just fall kind of similar to what everyone falls on. I'm not, I'm not overly bothered because we're trying to predict an unpredictable game here. Uh, we do our best, and we most important is do what's best for your team. Um, I, I feel like going no Salah is viable for my team, whereas you might have a much easier route to get him, and you might think he, you really want to captain him more times than I do, uh, and then you just. I think if you if you watch a lot of FPL content, if you listen to a lot of FPL content, I, I listen to a lot of FPL podcasts. I probably listen to an FPL podcast at least once a day, which is arguably too much, but I'm very good at listening and not kind of hanging on to certain ideas from other people. I, I still go away and make my own decisions on a Friday. Um, so that's, that's the key advice here. Take in the content, but make sure the decision is yours and make sure it feels right for your squad. There will be FOMO. There will be fear of missing out every week this season. Um, you know, I've had it with, with Son in certain weeks. I've had it with Sterling. I have it with Salah now. You've just got to stay strong. Uh, stick stick to your stick to your guns, stick to your strategy. And like I said, it could all just shake out pretty similarly anyway and all the stress will have been a complete waste of time. <laughs> that is the hope. That is the hope that the stress was all for naught, um, for sure. But uh, speaking of decisions being right for your team, there is one uh, roughly six-month-old little boy who has decided to go without Haaland and Salah. So, uh, Mark, tell us how uh, uh, the mini-general is, is getting on at the moment. How's his team looking for game week nine? The mini-general, I like that. I've been, I've been calling him gen- General Junior, but I, I, like, <laughs> I like the mini-general as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sonny Soldier's 
reflecting on the first eight game weeks of the season, you know, seven months old now, we sat down, we had a really long, d- detailed chat, you know, during the break. We looked at the stats, we we looked at a few options, and uh, it hasn't been a good eight weeks. He, he, he's got one victory over me, and I guess that probably is all he was really looking for. Uh, you know, when he can't pick players like Haaland and Salah and Trippiers, they, you know, they don't fit into the criteria. To get one victory in eight, if he can average that over the season, uh, I think that's probably pretty decent. So, have you got you've got the team on the screen? Have you? Yeah, absolutely. I've got the bus team uh, there. There's a number of flags now. Unfortunately, we talked about Robertson earlier on. Um, uh, Sonny's going to have to shoulder the responsibility for making a decision there. That's for sure. Yeah. So, a couple of issues. Robertson is an issue. Obviously, if he's out for a few weeks, he'll probably be the transfer out of this team. The, the issue is there's not too many options in terms of defenders to replace with. But it'll be sticking to the plan. Captain and Son, every game week, good fixture this week against Fulham. So, you know, the weeks where Sonny's going to beat me is is when my captain doesn't do well and Hyungman Son does deliver. I think that was the week where he beat me uh, in that, on that one occasion. Up front, the fixtures don't look great for this team either. You've got Ferguson, you've got Solly March. People might be wondering why, why he's there, but Sonny was born in March, so I just made an exception to the rule there that Solly March could be included. So Sonny's going to be a Brighton fan against Manchester City. He's going to be hoping Haaland blanks for me and Solly March and Evan Ferguson do the business. You know, it's funny, I, was, uh, I watched the Greece-Ireland game the Friday night, then Ireland played Gibraltar, uh, I think it was last night or, or, or two nights ago, one 4 nil, And I, I think, I need to double check it, but almost every player had Son at the end. Ferguson scored, I think Robinson scored. Um, there was an, definitely another uh, Son who's on the score sheet as well. I think Doherty was the exception to the rule, but um, even during the international break, the the Son teams have been, have been scoring well. So yeah, Jackson's flagged as well, but hopefully he'll be fine. So again, uh, you know, we'll look at this. We'll we'll go into the next batch of of eight game weeks and and see if he can improve on his on his one victory over the over the first few first few weeks. Well, um, it is quite literally baby steps for him as he learns how to beat you in FPL, um, taking one game week at a time. One game, one victory in the first eight. That that seems like a good ratio for you know a parent who's teaching their child you know how to win, but also how to learn how to lose as well. Because there is going to be a lot of that before he can uh, take on daddy and uh, really give yeah. him a run for his money. Exactly. So yeah, we'll we'll keep um, we'll check in from time to time. We'll certainly check in on the weeks where he where he beats me, and uh, <laughs> hopefully that won't be for a while. <laughs> well, from an editorial perspective, I kind of hope it's every week because then we've got some great entertaining content. But we also need you to have a good season so that people keep watching. So it's oh, it's a constant. What do we need? What do we want? We just we just want entertainment and insight in equal measure. Um, but let's move back onto the insight for one final order then. Um, and it, of course, is uh, relating to our transfers. We've kind of already alluded to it quite a bit. But going into game week nine, um, what are you uh, advising people to try and do, if possible, with their transfers? Yeah, I think it's always fairly sensible after an international break, if you can, roll a transfer for game week 10, if possible. If your team is in good shape, which I think most teams are this week because the fixtures are so good. If you've been lucky and you don't have too many flags, if you can get by... The game week 10 with two free transfers, I think it could be very valuable. And I think the reasons why it could be very valuable is there's a lot of, the fixtures are good in game week nine, but there's a lot of very tasty fixtures in game week 10 as well for, you know, players that we might want longer term. So Aston Villa, for example, in game week 10 are at home to Luton Town. So Watkins, Diaby and Matty Cash are really good options. Arsenal game week 10, we mentioned Saka against Sheffield United, but you might want to buy an Odegaard or a Martinelli. Who knows? Gabriel Jesus might even be an option then. And the Arsenal defence is obviously very attractive for Sheffield United as well. Salah, if you don't have him, 
Nottingham Forest at home and give me 10. Jared Bowen's at home to Everton. And Matoma is at home to Fulham. So there's a lot of very tasty transfer targets with good fixtures and give me 10. So, you know, rather than having one free transfer and buying one of them, you might want to have two free transfers to get two of them or do a bit of surgery to get a Salah, for example. So that's in the back of my mind as well. I could wildcard and give me 10 to get Salah, but I could also have two free transfers and give me 10, maybe take a minus four on top of that and be able to get Salah that way also and still be able to keep the wildcard. So, yeah. Rolling transfer into Game Week 10, if possible, is order number three. Hmm. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it's something that we love doing. I mean, it's, it probably comes as no surprise to people that on this video, we're both like, yeah, do it. Because it just it unlocks so much. And uh, to be honest, sometimes, well, we, it's well documented the impact you can have on your team the following week if you roll. But sometimes holding off on selling someone is what ends up giving you rewards. I mean, I got a little bit lucky a couple of weeks ago when I felt the team could do with some work, but might be okay if it didn't. Because I didn't make a transfer, Botman not playing, and I got 15 points off my bench from Anderson. So sometimes you kind of make your own luck, you know. Or, or a, a better example is probably uh, like in a Burmo. People might think, oh, he's been playing really badly. He hasn't been getting the points, blah, blah, blah. I have to move him now. Well, you don't have to because he's got a good fixture. Um, and so therefore the act of rolling might kind of put you at an advantage for two weeks because you hold on to the guy that people have sold, he gets the return, and then you sell him for the next one. You know, Matoma seems like an easy switch, for example, or a Ward-Prowse or a Bowen. So it can even have an impact on this week. Um, I find that the weeks when I go in and I'm a bit nervous that my team's not ready, I always overperform. And the weeks when I go in and think, whoa, I've made some great transfers this week, it's looking really good, the weeks when it underwhelms. So... um, I don't know if that's just, you know, a random coincidence, but, you know, there's probably some logic to it in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I think we mentioned it last week um, about low expectations. Some weeks you've got to just go in with low expectations. Maybe we should do that every week, to be fair, if we want to <laughs> mentally manage this game well. But I always feel like if I'm rolling a transfer, I, I do go in with low expectations because I know a lot of people are maybe bringing in a good target that might perform well. But I'm confident then with the extra week of info, bit more flexibility, maybe two or three new players coming in the week after that you can make up that and more afterwards. So, yeah, I was going to mention him, Bimbo, if you didn't. Perfect example. Um, I would always roll a transfer in that scenario rather than selling them Bimbo because fixture, good underlying numbers, penalty taker, and then someone like Matoma is an easy switch the week after. So, um, yeah, like I said earlier, I hope I hope Bimbo blanks. <laughs> incredible well I mean just look going back to that little comparison I mean just Matoma is a great option from game week 10 but he's not really a good option for game week 9 that's the thing it's like that's that's the timing that's the way you've got to that's the way around you've got to do it um West Ham arguably the same Aston Villa away it's not an amazing fixture because Villa have been playing really well but Everton at home really is so um there's just on that as well another opportunities another really good example of the kind of short-term transfers I could do I could do Bruno to Saka this week but Bruno's got Sheffield United this week and Chef and Man City the week after. Whereas Saka, you know, Saka's got Chelsea this week and then Sheffield United the week after. So it perfectly syncs up. I get both players for Sheffield United rather than having them for Chelsea and Manchester City. So mm. th- this happens all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing is that you just look at the game week nine fixtures and there's not that many short-term gains to be made. And there's much bigger longer-term gains to be made from game week 10 uh, onwards, which can probably... If you get the transfers right, help you put that wild card off even more, which very much is what we're trying to aim for this season. Both of us, actually, uh, we still got it. So, yeah, anything we can do to achieve that, it's worth uh, doing. So, yeah. 
Um, one thing we uh, haven't mentioned actually already in, in the show is, of course, if you haven't signed up for your Fantasy Football Scout membership, then make sure you do that um, because uh, we've been talking about a lot of stuff to do with the season ticket. And we're actually both sat here looking at it and it's helping us kind of t- talk through what we want to do. If you want access to that yourself and you can play around with it, it's one of the members area. Um, time is running out um, for you to get that 30% off on the preseason prices. So make sure you do that uh, ahead of Game Week 9. Also, if you've enjoyed this video, uh, hit the, uh, the like button and uh, subscribe to the channel and hit that bell notification. Some great ways to support the channel that are completely free and make a big difference for us, but also are going to help you guys out to make sure that you don't miss any content. We've mentioned, uh, of course, that we had an episode last week and not much has changed too much uh, since we did that. So uh, if you have a bit of spare time, go back and watch last week's episode where we talked about no Salah versus no Trippier. I think that was helpful for a lot of people. Uh, and of course, now that we're into the second week of the international break, all of the, the usual shows are back into their usual formats and slots. So there's burning questions, goals imminent, deadline dilemmas all coming up this week. So make sure you uh, check those out. Um, that's everything I need to add, Mark, unless there's anything you'd like to uh, issue the troops uh, with before we go. No, last piece of information is always just best of luck for, for Game Week 9. I hope the trips serve you well, and we'll talk to you all again next next week. Mm. Incredible stuff. Well, with that, we shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your international break and plan for Game Week 9, and we shall see you next time. Goodbye.